Nikolai who. I didn't know who he was. But this homily was really the one that captured my heart and mind when I didn't, I didn't know who he was. And I would like to share much of this homily, not nearly all of it, but a certain section of it uh, today with you. The key verse that I would like to focus in on is, he rose and took the child, Joseph that is, and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. And the main point that I would like to make is that God has many aims in view by sending his only begotten son into Egypt, not simply the preservation of his life, but many aims in view. This uh, is more of a lesson than it is um, a preaching sermon, but uh, why don't you um, take part and help me count to seven today. We're going to go through seven different points. Number one, when Jacob's sons out of envy wanted to kill their brother Joseph, did not Joseph find shelter in Egypt? Now, when Herod out of envy wants to kill Jesus, he finds shelter in Egypt. God in this way sought to repeat the same lesson to the hard-headed Jewish people. You didn't learn the lesson the first time. Let's see if we can learn the lesson again. Number two. He sent, he is sent, Jesus is sent to Egypt because Babylon and Egypt more than anywhere else in the world were consumed by immorality. He therefore sends the, astrologer, sends the astrologers from the former and goes to the latter himself, desiring to turn the one and the other to the path of the truth. And in this way, he teaches them and us that the faithful must, from the very beginning, expect suffering. You remember the angel warned the the. Uh, the wise men, the, the eastern astrologers, not to go back to Herod. He warned to go by another way. And this other way is the way of the gospel, St. Nikolai says. So, so they went back and evangelized Babylon. Jesus himself went down into Egypt to evangelize Egypt. Number three, as Joseph, who was the first persecuted because of his purity, speaking of Joseph, the son of Jacob, who was taken into captivity, because he was first persecuted because of his purity. You remember the story of Potiphar and, and Potiphar's wife. Becomes, with God's help, the guardian of Egypt, and of his enemies become brethren, so will the persecuted Jesus become the guardian and the giver of the bread of life 
You remember Joseph saved his brothers with bread, with grain. And Jesus saves us, his brothers, with the bread of life. Now Jerusalem stones him, but he will in his own time repay Jerusalem with bread, his bread. You remember from Christ's Sermon on the Mount, he asked this question. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Four. Pharaoh once commanded that all the male Hebrew children be killed, but him whom God had chosen to be the leader of the Israelite people and their deliverer, Moses, Pharaoh was not only unable to kill, but unwittingly took him into his court where he fed him and he educated him. Now, Herod commands the killing of all the young children in Bethlehem in order to kill the young child Jesus. Isn't it interesting? Two years and under, two years and under. God made Jesus the leader of his people and their king whose kingdom will have no end. Not only was Herod's hand unable to touch Jesus, whom he aimed to kill, but Herod and all of the godless Jerusalem had already become dust when the risen Lord Jesus Christ was glorified in heaven and on earth as the King of kings and Lord of lords. They were dead in the ground. He was risen from the dead and ascending into heaven. Five. God once sent Israel to Egypt to seek for food, but the Israelites became ungrateful and disobedient and began to abandon the purity of their faith and adopt Egyptian paganism, giving themselves over to the darkness of Egypt and the depravity of the Egyptian people. God led his people out of Israel, giving them a leader in the person of Moses and working innumerable miracles in the sight of his people. God gave them food in the wilderness, and for 40 years, the people murmured against him with ingratitude and disobedience. God led his people to the promised land, driving out all the enemies and establishing, preparing, and enriching it. But the Israelites constantly murmured against God with ingratitude and disobedience. The Lord Jesus, on the contrary, fled through the desert to Egypt with no word of complaint. He lived in poverty in a foreign land and returned through the desert to Israel with no word of complaint, no thought of protest against his heavenly father. He and his most holy mother and righteous Joseph epitomized in a short period of time the whole history of the Israelites' sufferings 
but with hearts full of gratitude and devotion and obedience towards the Most High as a reprimand against the self-willed and disobedient Israel and as an example to all of us. Six. Jesus did not begin his earthly ministry and mission only at the age of 30 when he opened his divine lips and began to teach in the synagogue. He began his mission at his conception. At his conception by the Holy Spirit, he already had a follower, his mother. Was not Joseph converted to Christ before his birth? Did not his birth open heaven to the shepherds and the wise men from the east with truth, prayer, and immortality? Did not Herod, together with the hardened leaders and scribes of the Jerusalem, fall away from him and stand against him while he was still lying in the manger? As soon as he was conceived, he became the cornerstone of the palace of salvation and a stumbling block to others. And as soon as he was conceived, the world around him began to be divided between the sheep and the goats. When he was conceived, Above all, Mary and Joseph were for a short time divided in their view of him. And while Mary knew him to be the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Joseph thought him to be the fruit of sin. Even they were divided for a short period of time, but then the division was healed by the word of the angel. The division made at his birth between, on the one hand, the shepherds and the wise men, and on the other hand, Herod and the scribes and Pharisees of Jerusalem, that division never came to an end. Never. He was hunted from the day he was born until the day he died. I read a story this week, being Christmas, of a national public figure referring to and, uh, the birth of, of, of Jesus Christ um, as the birth of a refugee and associating it with refugees. Well, this person was slammed really hard by the opposite political side of the fence. How dare you? How dare you speak of Jesus Christ this way? And how dare you, you know, denigrate our celebration of Christmas? He was a refugee. <laughs> and he was a refugee all of his life. Did he not say that the Son of Man has no place to lay his head? Seven, 
The Lord's flight into Egypt was not only a flight to save himself, but one directed much more at the salvation of men. That is a personal contact with the Hamitic race. You remember the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and became the fathers of, of the three uh, larger uh, groupings or, or races of men. He was, Jesus was born into the Semitic race, and his mission, though, was not just to one race, but to all men. The Semites were with, in Judea. He, he, he was from them. He had direct contact with them. The Hamites were in Egypt, and the Japhethites were the Romans who were in Israel. Pilate was a Japhethite. The, the captain of the guard at his crucifixion that pierced his side and declared him to, to be the son of God. He was a Japhethite. So, so the Lord went down to the Hamites to have direct contact with them. We mortals cannot measure or assess the whole influence that the Christ child had on Egypt. We can clearly see the influence of his stay in the land of Ham in the later history of Christianity. It was in Egypt that there blossomed the most glorious monasticism in the Christian church headed by St. Anthony. Where is he? There, St. Anthony. In Egypt, the blood of many innocent martyrs. Is it not enough to mention holy Virgins, Barbara and Catherine. There's St. Barbara. There's St. Catherine over here, right there. Egypt gave us outstanding Christian theologians and thinkers. The Christians of Egypt had a terrible battle with Arius, the worst Christian heretic, shaming him and overcoming him, and by this, enriching the church with an incalculable victory. The Egyptian form of the creed was adopted by the Ecumenical Council in Nicaea and St. Athanasius of Alexandria shone like a bright sun in the sometime darkened land of Pharaoh. You see how we're surrounded by these Egyptian saints and, the, and that Jesus' visitation to the land of Egypt changed the soil and it became the good soil for the Christians' ascetics and the, the martyrs and the great thinkers of the church. And so how might we apply this to ourselves today? Let us consider that all of our sufferings, all of our embarrassments and disappointments, all of our tragedies introduced into our lives are somehow for our salvation and for the salvation of those around us. Let us, dis let us strive to discover the deeper meaning of our sufferings and to contemplate the sufferings of the Christ child so that we may draw near to him with humility and obedience and follow him along the narrow way from the Egypt of our sins into the Jerusalem above. Let us pray. We give thanks 
and praise to thee, O Lord Jesus Christ, our God, for all you have done for us and for our salvation. Make us worthy of thy heavenly kingdom, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. <laughs>